while kids up whoa hello while kids up to sixth grade can uh, head out down for children's time it's kind of good to have our children in sometimes when we when we're seeing God do miracles right they need to experience that they need to be a part of that and uh, you know you guys should just share your home group testimony right now right yeah let's just go ahead and do that. I have a really cool message that's going to go till 3 o'clock, but um, my so, wife said no. Josie said no. I guess this testimony would actually have to be Tommy's testimony and, and Michael's testimony. But we were at home group this last first uh, Sunday of the month. And uh, Tommy had been having problems with his legs. And... Um, Tommy looked at Bella. Bella was sitting in the room where we was we was talking about praying at the end, praying for people, and and Bella loves to pray. She's my little prayer warrior. And Tommy saw Bella and he said, "Bella, would you pray for my legs? My legs are hurting." And so Bella says, "Sure." <laughs> and she goes and she puts her little hands on Tommy's legs, and she prays with. As much faith as you can possibly have at five years old, which is a lot of faith. And Tommy can testify that in that moment that the Lord took that pain from his legs right there. And then Michael was kind of just playing it cool. But Elizabeth was like, Michael's back's been hurting. Michael's back's been hurting. And so Bella said, well, I'll pray for you too. And so Bella went over there and she put her hands on Michael. And God showed up, man. And it's just a reminder that God will use any of us as long as we have faith, as long as we're willing. This is what's happening all the time right now. God is moving amongst us in ways that we might not even see or hear. But God's on the move, and we get to be a part of that. Thank you, Jesus. Got a bunch of grown men crying up here. So if a five-year-old praying for you and getting healed doesn't, doesn't make you cry, then, well, we'll pray for you. We'll have her pray for you later, so you will. <laughs> And that's, that's the thing. It's really not about who prays. It's about who we're praying to. That's really the key factor. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. If you're, if, you're, if you're a child of God, then you can pray for somebody. You can pray for somebody. You don't need, it doesn't need to be somebody special. You don't, it doesn't need to be a special moment. You don't have to wait till all the music's just right. Uh, that's the way we do it on Sunday because we can. <laughs> that's great. But there doesn't have to be music. There doesn't have to be anything other than Jesus there. The presence of Jesus is enough. His promises are enough. The, the presence of Jesus in the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus Christ is enough. 
Well, let's, let's look really quickly here at 2 Corinthians 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And this is so interesting that the Lord led me to this, this passage for this morning after what has just happened. But I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be helpful. And hopefully we can tie it all together. Um, but I'm going to start by just reading uh, 2 Corinthians 12, uh, verse 1. And this is Paul, and he is writing to the church, to the Corinthian church. They're in the city of Corinth. And so this church has a whole lot of issues. It has so many issues that he writes two pretty long letters to them. One has 16 chapters. And one has 13 chapters, except they didn't have chapters then. He just wrote a long letter. I mean, can you imagine getting a letter this long? That's a, that's a long letter. I mean, look at all the pages just of 2 Corinthians, and you're like, whoa, writing that on parchment back then in the first century? Uh, it's, it's amazing. But they had so many issues. They had divisions. They had uh, favoritism going on. They had finger pointing. They had all kinds of immorality. They had sexual immorality. They had all kinds of other dishonest things. They had Christians were suing one another. They were taking each other to the court and pointing fingers at one another. People were being left out of the Lord's Supper when they gathered for communion, like the rich would be over here and the poor would be over here and there'd be people excluded. And, you know, there's all kinds of, you know, all, all kinds of division in every single way. And that's the, you know, and then also they had all this confusion about like spiritual gifts. So they get all crazy with the spiritual gifts and try to bring glory to themselves, basically. And there were these guys called the, they thought these guys came in and they were called the super apostles. These people came in and basically said, hey, we're the real super spiritual ones. You need to follow us. And so Paul, who was there when the church started, I mean, he was the, he was the apostle that founded the church. He's the one that told the first person about Jesus in the city of Corinth and began to lead them. And he, he's writing to them as a spiritual father and saying, what's going on? <laughs> so that he's been doing that for two whole letters. There's actually four letters, but we only have two remaining. Uh, so verse one, so we, he's addressing issues, but it's going to give us insight into what Paul does. Uh, remember, you got the super spiritual people who are demonstrating all of their the stuff they can do under the power of whoever. Don't know if it was the Holy Spirit or not, but some spirit was do, wowing them. Uh, and Paul says this. He's in the middle of an argument, so we're we're picking up where he's going. But chapter twelve, he says, "I must go on boasting." Although there is nothing to be gained, I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. Only God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I don't know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. 
but I refrain so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say, or because of these surpassingly great revelations. So stop right there. Did you notice that Paul, Paul kind of slipped up? I'm not saying he really slipped up, but it, it looks like he slipped up because he starts talking about a man, right? He says, I know a man. And then he says, I had all this stuff and I got the great revelation. So he tells you, oh, this is Paul. Paul is saying, you know, he's the, he's the man. He's the one who had the revelations. But he doesn't even want to say, I had a revelation. I mean, how different is that from, from church culture today, right? If you get a great experience with God and have a revelation, you write a book, you start a podcast, you're on TV, you're doing whatever. I mean, it, let's get the word out. I had a revelation! <laughs> But Paul doesn't even, he refuses to even give himself credit. I mean, he kind of just hints at it and says, because of these surpassingly great revelations, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sakes, I delight in weakness. What is that? I delight in insults. I delight in hardships. I delight in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Wow, just even reading that last verse, I'm like, hello, I need some help. Did you see he used the word delight? <laughs> Does, I mean, is Paul confused about what that word means? Man, one of my favorite desserts growing up, my mom made, was called four-layer delight. Uh, I can tell you, none of the ingredients were weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, or difficult. There was nothing difficult about eating that. <laughs> it was super easy. It was four-layer delight. <laughs> Okay, but Paul here says, no, I'm going to show you something. Here's what it looks like to be a man of God. This, you want to know what a man of God looks like? You want to know what an apostle looks like? Rather than boasting about all his amazing accolades or all the things God has done for him, he said, here's what I'm going to boast about. I'm going to tell you how weak I am. I'm going to tell you the hardship I've had in my life. I'm going to tell you how many people have come against me, how, how things haven't gone the way I wanted them to go. I'm going, to, I'm going to, in fact, tell you about the insults that have been given to me. And I'm going to delight in them. I'm going to, I'm going to delight in them. Wow. How do, we, how do we do that? We've been talking about the Holy Spirit. 
Anybody have been here for the last few weeks? If you weren't here last Sunday, uh, my wife preached on the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, talked a little bit about tongues, and we keep forgetting to bring those cards. Uh, do we have any note cards? Okay, we're going to get some note cards. If you have questions about the gifts of the Spirit, speaking in tongues, or just about the Holy Spirit, we're going to give you note cards. Everybody write down their questions because we're going to do a question and answer session here coming up soon in the next week or two. So if you have questions, think of them and write them down. But we've been studying the Holy Spirit about who He is. He's not a force. He's not a feeling. He's not just uh, this cool mass that's air environment thing that we talk about. Oh, the Spirit's here. And no, He's the third person of the Trinity. He's God Himself, and He is a personal being. He's not a person in the fact that He's not human, but he's pers- he's, He has a personality. He is unique, He is distinct, and He is powerful, and He is present. And He has come into our lives to lead us into all truth, to comfort us, to be with us, and to form us into the image of Jesus Christ. And so we talked about that the Holy Spirit is, it it also says in in the Bible that the Holy Spirit is the deposit guaranteeing our inheritance in Christ. In other words, a deposit is a, something you pay beforehand before you receive the full amount, right? If we put a deposit on something where the deposit comes first and then later you pay the rest of the amount till you receive it in full. And so God is saying the Holy Spirit is the deposit. In other words, the Holy Spirit is the deposit of heaven right now on earth. And so he's bringing you heaven on earth, but he's also the guarantee of all the heaven in the future. But there's a now and a not yet part of our walk with Jesus, right? Because we haven't received all of heaven yet. We don't don't have it all yet. We want to see as much as possible because Jesus told us, to pray, let your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So yeah, like this morning, we're going to absolutely release the power of heaven and ask the Holy Spirit, who is now present in our present time, to take what's meant in the, for the future, all the things in the future, and bring them into the present. Because in the future, there's total healing, there's everything that we need, there's no sickness or disease or anything. So he's like, well, I'm taking from the future and I'm bringing it into the present. And so you can experience the reality of heaven and the power of the kingdom of God right now. But we also know we have the tension and Paul is okay with this tension. And sometimes as spirit-filled people, we're not. The tension is this, there's a now, but then there's a not yet. There's a now of the Holy Spirit, but there's a not yet where we haven't received all that we're going to receive in God. Right now, there's still insults and weakness and persecutions and hardships. Those things will all be gone in the not yet, but we're, not, we're in the now, we're not in the not yet. So how do we live Believing in the power of heaven invading earth, yet still embrace weakness and pain. And I'm talking about maybe not just not really physical pain, but just the pain of life. Because that's part of the weakness Paul is talking about. Paul is saying, look. When I am weak, 
then I'm strong. And he's like, I'm going I'm to boast about all these things. Look, this is totally counterculture. I mean, who gets up on social media and posts and says, I'm really weak? I mean, who follows that YouTuber? Right? Who follows that YouTube channel where they're like, let me tell you about all my failures and weaknesses and, you know, how I fall short and all these things. You know how many subscribers they have? Two. Their mom. (laughs) And they subscribe to their own channel. (laughs) Because it it doesn't make sense in our our culture, and especially as we think about like like Father's Day or thinking about being men. What are are men supposed to be, man? We're supposed to to be strong, right? That's what it means to be a man. It means means to be strong. You can take anything. You can handle anything. Well, Paul says, guess what? Nope. Now, Paul doesn't turn a man into a woman. He doesn't turn a woman into a man either. There's no confusion with Paul about that. But he says, look, part of being a man and part of being a follower of Jesus is this, to embrace your weakness. To embrace your weakness. There's a part of God's power that we will never experience in our lives unless we learn to embrace our weakness. What does it say? My grace is sufficient for you. For my power, God says my power is made what? Perfect in, in weakness. This doesn't make sense to our culture. This doesn't make sense to, to us as you know, men. And we can include women as, as well, right? He's not just speaking to men. Paul earlier in chapter 11 said the same thing. Verse 30, he says this, If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. So weakness is a sign of being a true disciple of Jesus. This is counter church culture too, right? Because what you've always, what we grew up with in church, a lot of us, is you show up to whatever the church gathering is, and you pretend to be all right. You pretend that everything's all good, right? You know, how you doing? I'm doing great. God is good. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. You throw out whatever spiritual term that you're supposed to say. And, you know, I'm just talking about church culture in general. I hope our church has, we've shifted a little bit to where we can be vulnerable and honest and have needs look if the apostle paul had needs then i better have needs (laughs) i better start embracing my neediness my weakness that that i am not enough on my own that i i can't do this on my own i don't have all the answers what is it one of the children said uh well yeah it was your kid, right? What does your dad say? I don't know. Hey, man, that might be a smart man right there. You know, sometimes as, as men, we think we have to have all the answers, right? Your kids come to you. Sometimes you might need to tell them, I don't know. I, I don't know. 
Because there are so many things in this life, as you live long enough, you start realizing, I don't know. When I was about 21, I knew. <laughs> Sorry for those who are 21 here. Is anybody 21 here? Okay. Uh, man, when I was, tw- oh gosh, I was really in- super smart at 21. <laughs> Might have been even smarter at 18. But uh, man, 21, the dream, right? Living the dream. And then, but you live life and you realize, I don't know. I don't know. I'm weak. I'm, I'm never going to know it all. Sometimes we even try to walk with God in our own strength. In other words, everything we do, our relationship with God, our, the way we follow God, it's, it's all our own strength. We're going to try really hard and do it, and that's not the way it works. Yes, you have to say yes. But he's looking for a surrendered vessel. He's looking for a surrendered person that says, I need you. Oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. (laughs) Jesus, I need you. But we have a thing that gets in the way. It's called pride. We want to be in control. I mean... When you control everything in your life and your family's life, you try to make sure everything's going in your situation. So some of you control freaks out here, okay? I'm talking to you as an as a addict that's recovering, okay? A recovering control addict. It's like you're trying to be God. You're, if you're trying to make sure everything is all in place, guess what? You're not God, but you're trying to be. It's exhausting. (laughs) It's exhausting, huh? Oh, man, he's got the whole world in his hands. He didn't say give, you know, it doesn't say I got the whole world in my hands. But sometimes we live like that, right? I got the whole world in my hands. (laughs) We're weak. We're needy. We're broken. And we have to be honest sometimes and live a life of, of authentic vulnerability. And like a po- the Apostle Paul, can you believe this? I mean, Paul should have come into these dudes and said, I won't say it, not, I don't say it at my house. Y'all be quiet now. All these other dudes, these super apostles, these people who are like, oh, I'm super spiritual, I know it all. And like they were, the church was following these guys. They were like, hey, look, these guys are amazing. And they even tell us they're amazing. Look, they said it, and it looks like it, and so they're amazing. Paul could have come in and said, let me tell you, you know, while those dudes were in diapers, I was receiving revelations from God. He could have come in, but he doesn't even do that. When he mentions it, he mentions it in the context of weakness. Of God sending, allowing a messenger of Satan into his life so that he doesn't become prideful. Sometimes you're like, God, can you get this? I mean, I don't know if you, I don't know. We don't know what the thorn was. 
We don't know what the thorn in the flesh was for Paul. People have all kinds of ideas, and I'm not going to say them all because I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but whatever it was, it was, it was hard. It was, it was one of those things where Paul's like, please, God, take this from my life. Now, one thing we can know is this, that it wasn't sin. When Paul talks about weakness, he isn't talking about sin. He isn't talking about being a fallen human being in terms of being sinful because Paul would not delight in that. All throughout Paul's writings, you can see that he talks about, you know, especially in Romans, don't, we don't live according to the flesh or the sinful nature, but we live according to the spirit. And he says, you know, if you live according to the flesh, that's death. And so Paul would not, the rest of it, all that Paul says makes no sense if the weakness is sin. So he's not talking about, oh man, I'm just weak, man. I just keep giving in to porn and I just have to look at it all the time. I just can't stop. But I'm going to celebrate my weakness. I mean, of course, it sounds ridiculous. But think about anything. Think about this. Well, I just lose my temper. I just, I just can't control my temper. It's just, Pastor John preached on weakness. <laughs> Babe, you're just going to have to get used to it. <laughs> I'm just, I'm celebrating, I'm delighting in it right now. Into your life. <laughs> That's not the weakness Paul is talking about. We know that from the rest of what he writes, that he is talking about a life lived with limited capacity, with physical weakness, with mental weakness, with things that we can't understand, with grief, with pain, with hardship. That's the weakness he's talking about. That we live in a world that's not, it's not yet. This is not the not yet. We're in the now. And we're experiencing the not yet as the Holy Spirit brings the presence of God into our lives and the hope of God into the lives and the power of God into our lives. And one of the ways we experience this, of course, is surrendering to Him and embracing that we are not enough on our own. So weakness is a sign as of a true disciple. It's a doorway to power. We don't talk about this one very much, especially in like the spirit-filled circles, right? Because we want to emphasize the power of God, the kingdom of God, the miracles of God. We want to be all about that. But when we talk about pain and suffering, we're like, I rebuke, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> right? But Paul embraces both. Paul has all kinds of miracles. I mean, he says, look, I've seen, I've, I've, I've personally performed signs and wonders and miracles. He says that in several books. He says, I speak in tongues more than all of you. He's like, I, I am praying in the Spirit so much, I can outpray anybody in the Spirit. I speak in tongues more than you. I've experienced, but he also is, is embracing, look, in this life, there's going to be pain and suffering, and I'm not going to run from it. For Paul, they could both exist, and it didn't cause him, he didn't have to pick one or the other. Sometimes we end up picking one or the other. We either focus on just the amazing things or people go the other way and say, there's no amazing things. It's all just suffering. We're all just sinners barely making it by the grace of God. And blue, you know, oh, oh, oh such a worm as I. 
But Paul takes both and says, look, I am weak. I'm not, I'm not a worm. I'm a child of the king, but I am weak. And I, am, I, am, I don't have the capacity on, in my own strength to save anyone, to save myself, to do anything. I need the power of Jesus in my life. You know, Hebrews 4 talks about Jesus in weakness. This is another thing that shows us that weakness is not sin. Uh, kind of going out of order here, but I guess that's all right. Hebrews 4, verse 14 through 16, it says, uh, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us ho- hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are yet he did not sin let us then approach the throne of God God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need what does it say right there that Jesus experienced the weakness of being a human Yet without sin. In other words, Jesus' weakness, the weakness he experienced, part of being weak is that we can still be tempted. Temptation is a part of the weakness that's going on. It's like, hey, I'm still being tempted. Doesn't mean I have to give in. But part of the weakness of being in this body, because in the not yet, in heaven, there's no temptation. Thank you, Jesus. There is no temptation in heaven. There's no devil in heaven. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. There's no enemies in heaven. There's no death in heaven. You know, there's all... uh, But we're in the now right now, so we're facing all those things that remind us that we're weak in ourselves. But here's the great thing, and I want to close with this. If uh, Romans 8 and 26, this kind of ties us into uh, the work of the Holy Spirit here. Romans 8 says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. You want the help of the Holy Spirit? You're going to have to embrace and be honest and declare your weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans or through groanings that cannot be understood. So this is the amazing thing. You will experience the help of the Holy Spirit when you embrace your weakness. Thank you, Lord. Some of us are, sometimes we might wonder, God, where are you? He's like, well, you've got, you're going in your own strength. I'm just waiting for you to stop <laughs> and say, help. Holy Spirit, I need your help. Holy Spirit, I, I'm so glad that the Holy Spirit has been sent to help us in our weaknesses. Because there's a whole lot of times where I, I, don't, I don't have enough. I'm a pretty cool guy. <laughs> Thank you. My wife just shook her head. I don't know. What, you know. 
I'm not a pretty cool guy, right? But, but look, the longer you know me, the less cool I become. <laughs> so some of you are pretty new. You're like, he's a pretty cool guy. Well, wait till you stay around a while. <laughs> You'll find out that I've got all kinds of weaknesses. That I, that I fail. Maybe not even sin, but I just fail. Just forget things. I don't do things I probably should maybe sometimes. I just, I'm not perfect. I'm not a perfect husband. But I'm embracing and calling on the Holy Spirit to say, Spirit of God, come and fill me. Holy Spirit, come and help me. You know, my, I want to share my dad's testimony. He's probably not watching, so he's probably at his own church. <laughs> and, uh, you know, my dad grew up with, with a father who didn't really know Jesus. And it was not the worst situation, but we'll just say it wasn't a good situation. It was borderline abusive, but there was, you know, a huge disconnect especially like emotionally and relationally. And so when my dad grew up and he started, had children, my, had me and my brother, younger brother, he found himself in a situation where he's, he just, he just you know, it wasn't like a, a horrible failure, in, but he just messed up, you know. He, he, he just had messed up something and it caused some problems. He was a pastor at the time. Way younger than me, right? I am right now, and he went out onto the beach in Puget Sound to Ebby's Landing, and he cried out to God. And he said, "God, I don't know how to be a father. I don't know how to be a father. In other words, I, it's been so messed up in me. I don't even know what it's supposed to look like, God." And it was there on that beach where my daddy met Father God. And in his weakness, he became strong in the power of the Holy Spirit. And my life was different. I regret, well, my dad was not perfect. But there, there is nothing in me that says, oh man, that was really bad. It's more like, thank you God. I have, I have a better father than 95% of the people I've talked to. Maybe higher percentage. I'd put him up against anybody. Is that because of his own strength and his ability? No, it's because he was broken on a beach. And he surrendered to God. And he finally gave up and said, I can't do it. So I don't know if that's you today. And I'm not, it may not even be with the, I'm not talking about necessarily just the issue of being a father. I'm just talking about anything in your life where you're, you're saying, I just need to give up and surrender. And so I want us to all stand. I feel like, I want us, leader, leaders come on up. So if, if you still need prayer for anything, you can come up. But if you need to just say, I just got to surrender something to God right now. I want you to come up. If you want them to agree with you. They can agree with you. If you just want to stand here by yourself or kneel 
at the front. You can just tell them I'm coming by myself, and that's fine. We will honor that and respect that uh, and give you some time. But don't leave this place without surrendering something to Jesus. So, Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that you are more than enough. God, and some of us, we need to embrace our weakness. We need to embrace what's going on, what we lack in our own self. We need to lay down the, the control hands of our lives and say, God, I give up. And so we thank you, Lord, whether it's an area that maybe seems small to someone else, but right now it's, it's, it's really big because it's the area that God is pointing his finger and saying, now's the time to give up on this. Now's the time to surrender this. Now's the time to let this go. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're moving upon hearts, that you're going to meet people in their weakness, and they're going to experience your power. They are going to experience your power in the name of Jesus. Amen. If that's you, come forward and get prayer before you go. Thank you, Lord. We'll put some worship music on. You can respond. Please come and get prayer if you need prayer. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you need to go, you are free to dismiss and uh, chat in the foyer as long as you need to and, and hang around. Um, but if you need prayer, please come on up before you go.